0: Hi, I'm Pat Polingo from Yale Appliance. With me today is Steve Scheinkoff, our CEO. Today we're starting our Appliance 101 series designed to help you navigate your next appliance project. Whether you haven't shopped for appliances in a while or you just wanna stay up to date on trends, this series is designed to help your project stay on time and on budget. First up, we're gonna talk about how to start your appliance project so you you mentioned um evaluating your lifestyle like what are what specifically should our common areas where we ask people to
1: consider how they're going to use their kitchen um how do you cook do you cook i mean obviously the less you use your appliances the more options you have um, what's important to you in a kitchen? Like, uh, I'll give you, for example, um, microwave is always a good question to ask. This is We're not placing any, uh, really the hard part, we're not talking about how to start, but hard part is like the massive array of secondary cooking options. Like, where do you put a microwave? Do you put refrigerator drawers? Um, all those are kind of ancillary questions. We all know we need a stove. We all know we need a refrigerator. We all know we need a sink and dishwasher. It's that secondary part that you think about, but that's not really how you start. Um, typically, what I always do or what I recommend, and, you know, Dennis, our sales manager, takes a different approach, but I always look at what you use most. And what you use most is not an appliance, it's a sink. Think about where you are most of the time. You want to put your sink, your cooktop, and your dishwasher kind of in a what the old timers call the kitchen triangle. You don't want to move any more than one step for those. When you think about it, it's kind of it kind of makes sense. Like if you do cooktop and wall ovens, I mean the wall ovens can be anywhere. I mean, you're not checking your Thanksgiving turkey every you're not stirring it every you know 20 seconds like you are in a cooktop. Mm-hmm. Um it whether you centralize it in a stove or wall ovens. If you look at a refrigerator, it's the same thing. Refrigerators, you're in your refrigerators. Once or twice. I mean, you're not stirring anything like 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 you would on a cooktop. So really that's where you want to start. I, I would start um at a sink and move into cooking. Uh cooking is the only real variable versus you know the secondary stuff we could talk about of centralization with a stove, or do we do cooktop and in, in, in wallop and and that is the one thing that the cabinet maker really needs because most refrigerated cabinets are gonna be typically suburban is going to be 36 your dishwashers are always 24 there's some 18th in some um, urban environments but most of the dimensions are standard other than cooking cooking changes the whole flow of your kitchen
0: yeah let's do, cooking is a, is a, is most important uh, getting getting that settled early in the process so what are some of the pros and cons of that pro like range versus wall oven cooktop uh, well, setup
1: first of all you have to know what your space is We're talking about a galley kitchen or a small kitchen. I mean, you're probably not going to do wall ovens. Um, You're talking about centralization or having everything um, in one space versus wall ovens. You know, the beauty behind a wall oven is you can customize your cooking a little bit more. Maybe put a steam oven over a single wall oven. Um, You're not bending. Um, The older you get, uh, I mean, everyone, you know, this, this business is driven by like that heavy Thanksgiving bird, but you're not. You're not bringing it uh, from your knees up. You're you're bringing it from your waist. So it's it's much easier for wall ovens that way. Plus you get steam ovens, drawers, and everything. Um, you can get them in bigger pro ranges now, but in a 30-inch and you're centralizing the cooking, you're not getting the options you can get wall oven. But ergometrics and features are really the the decision between the two. And space, obviously. Everything is requisite about how much space you have.
0: And once you narrow down your cooking, ventilation becomes an important consideration. We'll, we'll go into depth on ventilation because it deserves its own
1: yeah, topic.
0: Is... And we'll do that in the future. But what are some of the, what are some of the bullet points to, to consider vent, to for, for ventilation?
1: Well, venting is probably what it's done uh, the most wrong. And you can always tell when you do venting wrong is if your fire alarms go off for a few, if your house smells like the last thing you cooked. Um, so really, there's a few variables that you have to know is is CFM, and everyone pretty much gets that right. Everyone knows CFM is cubic feet per minute or how many cubes of air go through a hood in a one minute's time. Yeah, the more, the better. We can talk about in, internal inline or, or, or external some other time. But typically, if, you, if you're cooking a lot um, on burners, I would recommend a 600 CFM. You know, if you have grills, griddles, if you do a lot more stir-frying, you would need more than 900 or 1200. You could still get it inside or outside. But the one, the, 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 the one dimension of ventilation that people get wrong the most is capture area. I mean, that's why I, I am a fervent opponent of downdrafts because downdrafts have no capture, like a little slab. Um, so if you're cooking a lot, What you want to do is you want to make sure that you have depth 24 inches or greater because if you burn something or if you're stir-frying, griddling or doing what's called high-volume cooking, the smoke gets channeled and then gets evacuated by the blower. Now, back when I was young in this business, like an eon ago, um, people would do all sorts of crazy things. So the the other two variables that are overlooked is, is the venting run. People used to like uh used to uh, put in elbows where they change the direction of the duct. And if you do that more than two times, uh, I mean, the static flow goes down to almost nothing. So you really want to focus on the ventilation going either straight up out of your house where gravity takes you, or you want to go straight back. One of those two. If you're doing any more than one elbow, which is why I don't like downdrifts, because it's pulling everything down with no capture area, elbowing on a long run. It's it just, it's, it's, destined not to work um so that's the third element and, this, and the fourth one is 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 really easy it's duck size i mean some people use some people i mean this is going back away use dryer ducks. they're four inches it won't capture the volume uh, especially when you're when you're at studs you do a new construction you know the bigger the vent you can make it it doesn't really do anything um eight to ten inches would be good um I think sizing is is really important and somewhat overlooked, yeah. and that's really how you vent. It's CFM capture, flow of the duct, and duct work.
0: Yep, yep, yeah. Ventilation definitely re- de- um, deserves a lot of thought, and we'll we'll yeah. do a deep dive on that in the and, future. And for
1: people in Massachusetts, you get make up air laws. We can talk about later if anything over four hundred CFM need to make up air on the other side of kitchen ten feet, but we can talk about that some other time. <music>
0: And so one last uh, appliance category that's really important to consider is refrigeration. Sure. There's uh, there's so many types available now. So we want to just briefly talk about options available uh, for refrigeration.
1: Okay. Well, first of all, you buy, you buy refrigeration by cabinet size. Appliances follow cabinets. So it's, it's really hard to get something wrong. It's harder to get a refrigerator in because it didn't fit up the stairs than fit in your kitchen. So, so really, if you're talking about a new role, uh, most cabinets, well, since I've been here, follow basically uh, 24 for smaller, 30, 33, 36 is the most common. When we talk about the cabinet. the refrigerator fits in the cabin. Uh, 42 for the larger ones and 48, and then you get multiples when you talk about that. Now, there's different configurations. There's top mount. Which is typically the smaller dimensions less expensive, they are side by side, which was back in my day, like the prestige refrigerator, which is followed by French door and it's many many iterations of French door two drawers bought you know multiple kind of ways um and then you have the different kind of styles um you have standard depth, which is typically on a bigger refrigerator will be anywhere from thirty three to uh thirty six inches, so you get that's where most of the bigger kind of standard refrigerators are at like 28, say 26, 28 cubic feet. The real trend, especially on the higher end kitchens is counter depth or integrated. And I'll just explain the difference. Counter depth means that um, the refrigerator chassis is at 24 inches. So you don't see it and just the doors stick out. And then there's integrated, which fits inside a 24 inch cabinet. Um, The beauty behind that is you can't tell the difference between a cabinet and the actual refrigerator so it looks really smooth in your in in your kitchen now there's a there's a a bunch of different kinds of topics well within that Um, you know whether you get two different columns refrigerator freezer or you combine them in one column as subzero and thermidor most common their most common refrigerators do that you have the professional types which tend to be um, um, counter-depth with the compressors on the top they look like uh, they look like uh, commercial kitchens you can also panelize those as well. So there's all kinds of refrigerators, but typically what you want to do is, is consider the um, the cabinet size first and then pick the style that you want because that's not going to hold up your, your kitchen project. You say 36 inches now, there's different pluses and minuses. You know, the smaller you go from standard depth to counter depth to integrated, the less total cubic footage you get, but you do pick up Certainly a more customized style. You can put panels on it um, and it looks a little bit nicer that way, but you you do go up, you know, it's funny. You go up, you, you, you decrease in cubic footage, you increase in price per cubic footage as you go from regular to counter to, um, to, uh, to, to integrated. And, and really what you're talking about in kitchens, the last thing you want to know is what ancillary, appliances you want. If you know your stove's going to be 30, say, which is common refrigerator 36, you're going to put any like drawer type microwaves. Do you have places for other things like wine cabinets? Um, you know, uh, we put in a drawer microwave and a refrigerator uh, drawers in our kitchen. That would be secondary um, as well, depending if you have an island, how much space do you have for that? So that's basically to tie it up in one pretty episode exactly how you plan a kitchen and the various things that you would do inside of it.
0: So, Steve, traditionally, there are better times to buy appliances than others throughout the year. Uh, You want to talk about traditionally what what those times were?
1: Well, there used to be, Pat. Um, It's funny because uh, the the appliance business was pretty um, was pretty mellow up until uh, LG and Samsung came in. What they would do is they put on these promotions and TVs. And when they when they integrated into the appliance in a, in a big way, Samsung, believe it or not, is the number one um, most popular brand in the US. What they did was during these holidays, President's Day, Memorial Day, July 4th, Labor Day, and of course Black Friday, they would put on these deals of 10 to 35%. And that happened probably about seven, eight, maybe nine years ago. And so they would just overpromote. At one time, they would overwhelm the whirlpools and G's of the world that just sat back like they always did. So now every holiday became a time to buy appliances. We'd send, remember, we'd send emails out saying, hey, you know, it's your coaches today decreased by 35%. We wouldn't know until a week or two before. But now, with so much supply chain disruption, um, the manufacturers don't have enough product. So the, one of the things they did is cut back on promotion. So the strategy to buy appliances is really, whereas before you would look at six or seven brands, um, or before you would lock into, say, a Bosch dishwasher or something. Now you want to lock into six or seven features that you want and then look at brands. Because every company is has disruption in certain key elements. We mentioned Bosch dishwashers, and, and I love the brand. But they haven't produced a dishwasher under thousand dollars for almost a year and a half. So if you're looking for a Bosch dishwasher at nine hundred dollars, you're probably not going to get one. Or Sub Zero is another instance of great refrigerator, most popular high-end product sold. But you know they're quoting six-month lead times. So really, what you want to do is, do you want a quiet dishwasher? Is that driving your purchase? And then you can look at different lines, like I say, a Beko, Miele, a KitchenAid, LG, maybe a Samsung. Are you looking for a built-in refrigerator? Do you look at a True, a Thermidor, a Gen Air? Um, it depends when you need it. Now, the best time to buy appliances is when you can actually get the things you want or the features you need and, and really take delivery fast. Whereas before you would get the promotion, buy the products and then have them delivered elsewhere, um, um, sometime else. So it's way different. Hopefully by the end of 2022, 2023, we'll go back where we where, where would wait and get a better price. And we were really good about saying, okay, don't buy it now, buy it later. Now it's like, buy it now because you may not get it later. Um, That's the problem.
0: So hone in on those features that are important to you. Just hone in
1: on features, then worry about brands, look at reliability. I mean, you publish reliability charts on our blog all the time um, to make sure that unknown branding is actually, A, it can be fixed and B, it's reliable, at least in the first year.
0: And you talked about, um, you know, the disruption in the supply chains, like talk about what are some of the specifics there and how has that affected lead times generally?
1: You know, it's it's almost biblical at this point. You know, you had a a plague, a pandemic and, you know, back, I keep going back to when I first started in 1986, so long ago, Uh, you bought a Maytag washer, it was designed, built, engineered in Newton, Iowa. And then one of the things that made appliances so efficient, like a 399 washer in 1986 was 399 in 2015, is they outsourced all the parts where, you know, Pat Palingo's, um, say, uh, hinge, you could make it cheaper because that's what you specialize. So that you take that washer, and now there's 84 different parts made in probably 20 different countries. If one of those key parts goes down in that factory, you're not making the dishwasher. And with COVID attacking the supply chain in so many ways, China first, um, warehousing in New York, up and down the East Coast, um, through the South where a lot of appliance factories are made, Mexico is where a lot of parts are made. It's really hit. um, And then you, you know, in the US, you've got the socially distancing. I mean, that's not part of a factory's DNA. Socially distancing is not part of the efficiency, they probably built the factory for. So a lot of factories are are, are are not building to the extent they once were. They're not as efficient. And then you have just the crazy events like the ice storm in Dallas is evidently, unbeknownst to everybody in the industry or every retailer, all the insulation for every domestic refrigerator is made in Dallas um, at a BASF plant. And that had a freak ice storm that knocked out the plant. Now you don't have insulation, so which is a key component to refrigerators. You know, We interviewed the president of Miele US. Like in February, he said, yeah, everything's great as long as there's no port issues in Los Angeles. <laughs> Two days later, there's port issues in Los Angeles. Um, so then your container shortages and then raw material costs, and now you have chip issues. You can't get a Ford F-150 because there's no chips. Well, a lot of these more basic chips have problems, so all those together make a strange brew of, of 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 real problems of supply in the industry. So really, for a consumer, it's 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 choose the best you can. If it's not Samsung, maybe it's LG, both good brands. If it's not Bosch, maybe it's Becco, another really unknown brand that's coming to the fore. If it's not Wolf, maybe it's you know Thermador, Heston SKS that Saba tested. That's seems to be pretty good. Um, and I love all those brands, but you know, uh, if you can't get them, you know, you, you can't get a CEO on your, on your house. They, they won't do it without a range. So, um, you have to be flexible.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And we, you know, in the past might give a customer estimate of two to four weeks for ordering products. And now it can be a lot longer depending on the brand. So,
1: yeah, we try to be transparent. The hard part about being transparent is you're giving you're giving estimates and the factories bump out those estimates. So we've done a better job of giving people worst case scenarios. But I I, I think that, you know, before we tell people two to four weeks, we probably had it in stock um, or it was in stock locally. We just pick it up and deliver it. Now we're warehousing more than ever um, because they don't have it in stock and and we have to buy it right away to put it in stock. So it's, it's, it's much harder now than it used to be
0: so steve one more large consideration for people who are considering uh who are starting their appliance project is something that they don't think about very often is uh, appliance repair um do you want to talk about why this is an important consideration at the start of the project rather than at the end
1: yeah i mean uh, appliance repair is 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 really um it's really tough in this business. I mean, you know, you get your car fixed. You, you know, whatever car you drive. What do you, What car do you drive? Uh, Jeep. You drive Jeep. So you go to the Jeep, and you have a problem with the Jeep. What do you do?
0: Take it to the dealer.
1: Right, because every every dealer has service. In fact, the car dealers like will tell you when you want it fixed. Um, the problem with appliance dealers is that, uh, in appliances in general is um, only five percent the appliance dealers have service. And of those 5%, maybe 5% have an actual service department. And, and the problem is, is like, you know, if you're listening to this podcast, a lot of stores will tell you the manufacturer will handle. Well, the, most manufacturers aren't in the repair business. So really what I tell people is you're going to make some really good decisions. You're going to make a decision, say, say Thermador, um, Gen Air, Wolf, Heston, SKS. I mean, there's Endless Viking, which we don't sell, is, is a good brand. Where you can get it fixed is as, almost as important as the features you like, because all of them are going to have convection ovens. I know there's some variance between them all, but where you can get it fixed becomes an X factor, because in certain areas, if you read reviews, there's no available service, especially on the higher end stuff. It's 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 it's, it's crazy. I mean, you know, we make the Jeep analogy, but um, if you can't get something fixed in Thanksgiving, you're not eating. If the stove doesn't work, so that's the other thing is you always want to like before the holiday is like a month before because sometimes it's going to take it's going to take you probably a month just for a service tech to come out. So it's really important that you consider that as a critical element rather than just assume it's just like your car.
0: Mm-hmm. And how can a customer? find out if their dealer their appliance dealer will offer service or how do they find good appliance service
1: well again um people have an array of options to consider um when you're looking at uh products and appliances pretty much everybody every everybody pretty much dislikes everything on google typically it's because it not because the product breaks I think people expect that, but I think people don't expect the hoops that they, go to, they have to go through to repair it. But you do have Yelp, you do have Google, uh, you do have Better Business Bureau, maybe Angie's List um, uh, or some obscure, but you do have that information available. And really, I think a lot of people do a really good job of watching videos, buyer's guides, blog posts, of getting themselves informed about the actual product. What people really need to be, whether whether you're in Boston or San Francisco or New York or 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 Los Angeles is really find who repairs it. Um and you can do that easily on Yelp, Google, any of the resources I just mentioned, but really spend some time on that. That's the that's the real piece. I mean, appliances now they're smart appliances, and you need a different kind of technician to fix a steam oven and a smart appliance than you do just a simple top load wash. So it's really, really crucial, especially as the more intricate the appliance, the, the better technician has to be. So it's very important, especially in the high end, that you, you, you vet that out along with features.
0: Today, we covered how to start your appliance project which appliance categories are important to consider. We talked about the importance of considering appliance repair early in your project. Next time, we're gonna talk about the difference between ranges and professional ranges, dive more into cooking, we're gonna talk about renovation mistakes to avoid, and we're gonna talk about how long it's gonna take to get your appliance delivered once you purchase. If you liked what you learned today, please subscribe, and we'll see you next time.